It has been 40 years. 40 years of prosperity, safety, and calm for the planets of the Lacunian system. 40 years since Rindoxal and the Zondo Quest team, together with the ant people under Queen Luzinia, defeated the evil Power Master and ended his campaign of destruction across the universe. The Lacunian Congress has rewritten history, casting the so-called evil Power Master as a would-be warlord who pretended to possess godlike powers. The citizens live in blissful ignorance, never guessing how close they came to total annihilation. To most, the evil Power Master is an insignificant historical footnote. But beyond this false tranquility, in the dark regions of the universe, danger looms. There, one might hear whispers that the evil Power Master's evil powers were no illusion at all. Whispers that he was not killed and merely bides his time. Whispers that he will be reborn, that he will rise up to destroy the Lacunian Dominion, that he will lead a wave of carnage and bloodshed sweeping the entire universe and bringing retribution for the world so mercilessly exiled from the Lacunian Utopia. It is whispered that the days to come will bring war. The war will be terrible, and the days will be purple. To Booze Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three grown-ups normally try to beat a children's game, but today three grown-ups play a role-playing game based on a children's book. I'm Mark. I'm Chris. And I'm Ian. Yeah, you're in the wildcard seat now. Yeah! Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Welcome to Tabletop! Wait, do you, uh, so do you view yourself as the wild card, typically? Yeah, it's like Ian says his name, <laughs> Chris says his name, I do something dumb. That's my role in this podcast. Yeah, Chris, uh, you hadn't, you hadn't uh, found that pattern yet? It's, it's uh, infuriating when you're trying to really <laughs> jump into a, uh, an intro. And Mark, and Mark hits you with something like, and I'm the bone skeleton inside of the Mark flesh. And you're like, oh, fuck. Well, now I'm thinking about bone skeleton inside of Mark flesh. So anyway, speaking of trying to do an episode intro, <laughs> hey, what we're going to do today is play a tabletop RPG based on War with the Evil Power Master universe. So this is a scenario that I have devised and Chris and Ian have characters for, and we'll just kind of see what happens as we do that. Um, if you've ever played D&D, it's basically like that, except that in the system we're using, uh, the dice rolls can also have uh, these cool side effects called advantages and threats. And then we all now, decide Mark, I'm what I'm going to stop means. you real quick, though, because we're, we're, we're jumping right into game mechanics and we glossed over the fact that, and, and, it, and it might make total sense to us, uh-huh. the evil Power Master universe yeah i think requires just a just a just a scotch of uh, of explication sure so uh, as all of our listeners are aware because of how they religiously listen to every episode we do i mean mm-hmm. let's be honest it's the second most popular sci-fi franchise after you know star wars right yeah star wars booze your own adventure uh that tv show lex <laughs> so yeah, basically in this scenario the premise is that you guys are agents of the lacunian system rapid force Fuck yeah. This is going to take place after Prisoner of the Ant People, but well before uh, War with the Evil Power Master. So this is a universe where 
the evil power master is not really thought about anymore. Most people don't even believe that he really ever had evil powers. That's just a handful of like conspiracy nuts. But you guys are in charge of kind of quelling threats from uh, various crazy EPM cults that spring up occasionally. Does that all make sense? Cool. That's a, yeah, that makes so that's a that sounds like a good uh, story story break. Cool. Any questions before we jump right in? Just one. Uh-huh. Are you guys fucking ready? I'm fucking ready. I was born ready. Weird. <laughs> no, to play tabletop RPGs, I, I, I don't think no. so. Yeah, no, no fine motor skills. Yeah. All right. Our opening shot is of a research lab in shambles. There are sparks flying off of smashed control panels. There's broken glass and spilled chemicals all over the floor. There are foam jelly chairs leaking their foam jelly everywhere. Foam jelly chair! Mark thought of everything. And scientists pacing back and forth just in helpless panic, unsure what to do. And then we cut to the main hollow screen where someone has graffitied in huge red letters, long live evil. Suddenly, a bright white light fills the room and all the scientists turn to look at the teletransporter. The light fades and two Lacunian system rapid force agents stand in the teletransporter, having just arrived there at thought speed. Woo! Ian, what does Vern look like as the camera cuts to him? Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, Vern is a uh, creature called a 12-mo, uh, and that is a uh, amphibian-looking creature. Walks upright with a bluish mottled skin. He's got real stick, long arms and legs. He looks kind of rubbery. Uh, his hands and feet both have uh, three fingers and toes on him. Um, he's got like a real long, weird neck. He looks kind of like a bug, kind of like a fish. And he uh, he's, he's long and spindly. Uh, he's also got um, another prominent feature of Vern's are these uh, two bonus arms right in the middle of his chest uh, that are much smaller than his regular arms. They work sort of like praying mantis arms. He is uh, decked out in a leotard that is... Uh, what color is his leotard? His leotard is, uh, uh, he is not wearing a leotard. Hold on. <laughs> is he wearing, he, no, he's wearing, a, he's not wearing a leotard. He's wearing his, uh, black leather jacket. Uh, oh. looks badass. He has fingerless gloves on all four of his hands and he does not wear shoes. Vern never wears shoes. He has a fanny pack across his front over one shoulder because he doesn't have much of a waist because he's sort of tube shaped. <laughs> And uh, he, when he comes out of the thought speed teletransponder, he uh, is on one knee like Michael Bane in the first Terminator movie. And he, he feels like he's naked, but powerful. Awesome. And the camera kind of moves up and to the right from Vern, and we get a look at Agent Bond? Uh, just Bo. Bo? Okay. Yeah, Bo. So uh, it's, it's B0, nautical designation. He's a... An etiquette droid. For those of you who looked up Brendoxall after listening to the Evil Power Master episode of our podcast, as I'm sure many of you did, uh, it's basically an R2-D2 body, but with arms and legs. And of particular note are the uh, arms, which end in really uh, soft, human-shaped hands. I don't know why that was a detail in the original book, but it's an amazing detail, and I plan to keep it. And uh, what are you wearing as your robot Ah, yes. So Bo was built just the way uh, every other adequate droid like himself was built, uh, which is to say that they all have tuxedos painted onto their main bodies. Okay, cool. So you guys kind of touch down here and begin to like shake your body parts back into place because there are transcription errors sometimes when you travel at thought speed. 
And I think the message that you're getting from your Rapid Force Central Command is playing in whatever sort of communication device you've got. And you hear this message. Agents Vern and Bo. Last night at approximately 2200 galactic hours, one of those EPM cults broke into a research lab on planet Haymog, sector 314789. The security guard who reported it says the place was trashed, but as of now it's unclear what the purpose of the attack was. We need you two to go planet side to investigate, report back about what those cultists are up to. Commander Farback, out. Yes, praise Farback. We're getting you on this podcast whether you like it or not, you horny bastard. Yeah, prepare. Now, this is Commander Mott Farbeck, so don't get him confused <laughs> with any real-world personages. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are standing in this lab that is, again, just in total disarray. There's some scientists looking around, very dismayed with everything. There is a single droid, one of the bullet-shaped models with some spindly arms. It just seems to be, like, going back and forth, trying to, like, pick up wreckage and making very, very little progress. And then there's a security guard standing in the corner. What do you do? Vern looks down at his holographic uh, wrist-mounted uh, computer printout screen uh, and, and immediately checks the composition of the atmosphere for, for safety. He's been holding his breath. The computer screen confirms that it's perfectly breathable air, even to a 12-mo. <sighs> 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 All right, it's okay, Bo. This air is good. We're good. This air is good. It shows a composition that is, uh, you're a robot, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but That's really not a problem for me. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Uh, it was, looks like a real mess in this dump, huh? Spray paint all over the f- place. And I tell you what, Vern, uh, you look at these computers. I'm going to go talk to this little uh, filly here. Huh. Thank God. I, I, was, I was hoping you were going to try and take the computers, and I'd make me have to go talk to the people. I'd rather deal with the computer, please. Thank you. Uh, you're going to be all right. You look like you're about to throw up. I just need a minute. I hate thought speed travel. Uh, Vern collects himself and walks uh, over to the first, the most uh, ready-looking uh, of computer ports. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the computers have been smashed up, but you do manage to find a terminal that looks mostly intact that you can interface with. And Bo, who are you trying to talk to? You see, like a robot, some scientists, and the security guard, all you know, within eye shot. Uh, yeah. So Bo saw that robot and is uh, honing in on Zer. Okay. Cool. Uh, back to Vern. I'm going to need you to make a computer's check to try to uh, interface with this computer. Hell yeah, computer's check. Easy, coming up. Actually, it's going to be average. Okay, computer's check. Average, coming up. Okay, two success. I, I succeeded with one advantage. So your success is that you are able to interface with this computer and start reading stuff off of it. Nice. Uh, what kind of stuff are you looking for, and what do you think your advantage is? I'm looking for uh, any kind of, uh, anything that looks like Productive, like any kind of projects. I'm looking for project information. Okay, cool. And then my and then my bonus is that in one of the folders there's something called secret. Don't look. Uh, but I but I found it. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna look. So in recent projects, it seems like they're developing a new generation of something called gladius crystals, which you've never heard of. But there's a bunch of uh, different charts of like equations and stuff about the kind of energy they give off. And there's a lot of research focus on these crystals, whatever they are. Cutting over to Bo, you're trying to talk to the robot, uh, which is, uh, again, like a bullet-shaped droid. And you see engraved into, across where his chest would be if he had anything like a human chassis. It says, Henry the Eleventh, <laughs> And he says, Greetings, Rapid Force Officer. How can I be assistance to you? And he continues going about his business, just picking up debris and putting it in other parts of the room. What do you do? Uh, Bo sort of uh, walks up to the droid, 
puts his fleshy hands on the droid's shoulders uh, comfortingly. Well, as comfortingly as uh, weirdly fleshy hands can be. A shudder of pleasure goes through it. And just sort of whispers into its ear, robot ear, into its head, I guess the top of its dome. Uh-huh. Easy there, beautiful. It's okay now. Boa's here. Can you tell me exactly what happened? And Henry the Eleventh says, Negative, was not in service at the moment that the attack happened. Do not have any information to share with you. I am an inventory droid. I only police the inventory. I am trying to replace the inventory and determine what was missing. Interesting. You couldn't happen to do me a favor and uh, give me a list of inventory that you expect to find, would you? I will try to produce such a document for you. And then he uh, just kind of like shuffles across the room at a weird speed and begins like picking objects up and then putting them back down without actually moving them anywhere at all. It seems like he is busy on this task you've set him on now. What else do you do? Is it a social check to try and like suss out who's in charge from like just looking at the situation? I think actually it's not because at that moment, a, uh, a scientist in a lab coat walks over to you with the air of authority and she has a name tag on that says Dr. Scritters. <laughs> Dr. Scritters, I presume. She is a Saintosh, which is a sort of humanoid creature. They have purple skin and a, a really long, tall face, which has three stacked mouths. Ugh. The bottom of which is for food. The middle one is for talking. And the top one, along with the rest of the face above it, is for just displaying emotions. Two questions. Uh-huh. First off, uh, do I need to make a, like, culture check to know a Hantosh? A Saintosh. Saintosh, whoops. So uh, Chris, the person, definitely does. But uh, is that something that, like, a cultured person would know? It's a very large galaxy. If you want to make a culture check to know anything about their culture that might be helpful, you can do that. Uh, average difficulty. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. No, this is good. I actually did put points in it. Thank God. <laughs> I got him bluffed there. Uh, all right. Whoop, okay, one success, one threat. So your success is that you know that the Saintosh are a very proud people, uh, so she would not brook insults very lightly. You need to treat her with a lot of respect. I think your threat is that she immediately just dislikes uh, imperious robots. Talking to robots is beneath her station, and she dislikes having to do it. So she comes over, clearly not into your very presence here, and she says... We have no need of rapid force assistance. There was an incident, and we are handling it. Is there anything you need before you leave? I, I, sh I shout over the back. I've been looking at my readouts, and I see this thing about crystals and energy. Uh-huh. I notice the, that this alien is a Saintosh, and I know that the, uh, the proper genuflection uh, is to bow as deeply as one can. Uh, and so I walk, up, I walk up to her and bow, uh, and I say, uh, uh, Greetings, high exalted uh, one. Uh, the... Um, what are Gladius crystals? Uh, it looks like there was a whole bunch of that here, and uh, just trying to check in on that, see if that was uh, a thing. Just, uh, just uh, don't mind us. At that moment, Henry the Eleventh from the side goes, There are a lot of Gladius crystals missing. It seems like they took a lot of Gladius crystals. And Dr. Melinda Squitters kind of puts her hand in her, her head in her hands, and she's like, It's... It's really not important. They, they're a, a certain technology that we develop here, and it seems that someone, I guess, stole them somehow. I can't really tell you how, uh, but that's, that's all you need to know. They're, they're gone, and I guess it's just too bad. Could I make a charm check against the professor? <laughs> At this point, I would actually like you to make a vigilance check, and the difficulty is easy. Okay. I have two greens. Where, where, where are you at? I have three greens. Oh, that's you. Vern, make that check. 
that is two successes with two advantages. This is that I've succeeded with two advantages. Okay, so the success is that you can tell she is hiding something. She doesn't really want you to investigate here, and that mm -hmm. seems weird. What do you think your advantages are? We notice something related to the crystals. Like, uh, she doesn't want us to investigate the crystals, but maybe we see, like, um, there's, like, the box that held all the crystals is broken, and we can... We can see how it's been broken and maybe, like, see the egress uh, and exit point of who broke and stole it. Okay, let me give you a similar thing to that. Uh, there is, you notice, a door in the, the very back part of the uh, research lab that seems to lead out into, it's hard to tell from where you are, but like a warehouse or something. And it looks like that's a point of uh, potential egress. So not the crystals themselves, but this is an important thing. Gotcha. I'm glad that we used a success or, like, a, an advantage on noticing that there's a door. It's an, important, it's an important door. Hey, he, he wanted to know about exit points. Yeah. Uh, uh, respectfully, as Rapid Force members, it is our, uh, it's our duty to investigate any potential crimes. I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna use your can, uh, if that's cool. And I start, like, shuffling towards that important door. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to take, take a leak before we finish investigating. She seems fine with that, and you start heading off toward the door. Cool, cool, cool. I go through the door. I'm through the door. I don't even check to see what, what's up with it. You're in basically a small hangar area. There are a couple of, God, what are they called in this universe? Space vehicles uh, just parked here. And one very obvious place where a space vehicle could be parked, but is not. You're putting two and two together and thinking that somebody stole a space vehicle. Are we talking like space forklifts or space Corvettes? They stole, they stole it to leave with, so probably not a forklift. <laughs> These are essentially like a space white anonymous van. Like they're okay. yeah. very utilitarian. Okay, easy. I pull out my holographic thing, jack into the computer systems, and uh, figure out the identification information for that thing, and then put out a put out an APB. Cool. Your signal uh, shoots out to the galaxy, and you begin uh, to wait a response. What is Bo doing inside? So he's, ta he's trying to talk to the Saint Tosh professor or like lab leader, to try and sort of like figure out what exactly they're studying here. Mm -hmm. So I guess I make a charm check. You don't have to necessarily make a charm if you're asking questions that she's sort of legally obligated to answer, right? Well, I th yeah, so I think he's trying to get, like, sort of her to believe that he is actually on, their, on her side and, like, he can maybe help her more than he can. Okay. You can make a charm check for that, but the difficulty is going to be hard. And also, what are you saying to work this charm? You can also, if you want to, roll the check, see how well it goes, and then role play based on that. Ooh, yeah, that sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> Let's see if these yellow dice are worth a shit. Whoa, okay, so one success, four threats. Four threats, four okay. Threats. Four threats? Look, uh, Dr. Shkredish, uh, Melinda, may, may I call you that? I, I suppose it doesn't hurt to be called something friendly. Uh, Bo puts his, again, disgustingly fleshy hands <laughs> on her shoulders. He's got one move, and God does it work. It's all right, we're here now. Now, are you sure there's nothing you could tell us that might give us a little insight into why someone would attack your lab? Maybe what the hell a Gladius crystal is? I have to admit, I'm a little unfamiliar. I spend most of my time shunning. He uh, exposes a, a panel on his chest. There, there's a, a center panel on his chest, and... Uh, Whereas, like, a normal, like, a human being would, like, maybe unbutton the top button of their shirt, he, the whole panel just sort of, like, rotates, and now there's just, like, like chest hair and a, a tan uh, skin color, where previously there was the top of a tuxedo. Gross. 
disgusting. So I, I think it, I, I think then with your threats, it plays out like this. You can see that she's getting agitated, like her, she's starting to breathe faster, and not in the good way that you're used to, and you're actually going for. I have this effect on people. Yeah, you think you're having that effect on her. Bo certainly does. The the gladius crystals are. They're, they're, they're a certain, uh, like, energy source, basically. They're, they're dangerous, and they're, they're very locked down by the government because they give off a lot of uh, what's called metakinetic energy, which in, in the wrong hands, I suppose, could be, you know, focused and weaponized for, for any sort of uh, evil kind of... Uh, uh. From, the, from the back room, Vern shouts like, and you didn't think that you should have told us about it being stolen? And when she hears that, uh, her face goes pale, and she faints. Come on now, Vern, there's no reason to hurt the beautiful woman's feelings. I'm just saying she played real coy about it and it's like a real danger. The only one playing coy here is me. Uh, so her eyes her eyes closed and she like fall down and go boom? Uh-huh. Well, she didn't explode, okay. but she fell into right, the floor. Right, 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 right. Uh, ah, sh- shit. Around this time, the security guard kind of saunters over to you. This is just a human guy in a completely normal like mall cop looking uniform. He says, uh, well, howdy there, fellas. Uh, you suppose you might be wanting to talk to me. I'm the closest thing you have to a witness. Name's Dango Panuki, and I, I guess I was the only one who saw the break-in, or at least part of it. Dango, I'm in love with that name. Do you want to join our cool space crew? <laughs> I, I would absolutely love to join your crew. <laughs> Actually, make a charm check, I guess. <laughs> I'm skulking. I'm in the shadows. I... I don't want anything to do with this. I can't deal with new people. You know what? You know what, Chris? Actually, just so we can use all the skills, I'm going to make you make a leadership role if you want to join your team. I got four four greens for this bad boy. Okay. it's. Uh, I think it's just two purples. I'm a leader of men. Interesting. Uh, three advantages, two failures. <laughs> Not a success, but like no. he's really considering it. Yeah, so he's considering it, but he's like... Well, you know, i tell you the truth. I think I'm a little bit old for the, the jet-setting around the galaxy life. I can't be a hero anymore, but I'd like to think I can do the right thing in this situation. Anything you guys need, you ask me, and I'll make it happen. You know, if you ask me, men like you are the real heroes. Well, I appreciate that, but I say, but I say men and robots and 12 moes like you are the real heroes. Right, um, obviously. Thanks, guy. Uh, hey, do you have um, security camera footage or anything we could look at and review? Any like energy trace signals or noise disturbance fields or anything that picks up uh, or picks up and records in here? Well, we uh, we do have some recording equipment. I'm afraid it was damaged. It might require a little technical know-how to get anything out of it. I can tell you what uh, I saw. Vern, Vern Vern claps together both sets of his hands and then cracks his knuckles outward, uh, his chest hands and his outside hands. He's like, "Bad blow! Give give me a." Give me a shot. Let me let me uh, let me jack in to that one. Vern can fix any machine in the universe. Uh, why don't you take care of that, Vern? I'll I'll finish talking to this American hero. Uh, shit. Uh, hey, Magian hero. Look, yeah. Dango Panuki. Dango Panuki. And so Dango's like, well, basically, I was doing the night shift last night and uh, started to hear some rustling around outside the lab, which is real strange because we're protected by a. Uh, a large iron wall with a with a really really strong door outside the wall there, but uh, looked outside through the dang peephole and there was a just a large collection of various creatures in these gray robes. Basically, the instant I saw them, the door just popped open, and next thing I knew, 
I was being knocked unconscious and wish I could give you more help, but that's what I saw. Strangest thing, it didn't seem like they had to force their way in or nothing. Interesting. Uh, cut to Vern, you need to make a computer's check. Fuck yeah. It's gonna be an average computer's check. Or sorry, not average, it's gonna be hard. Yeah, it's cool, I got six successes. And, <laughs> and, and one threat. Okay. Uh, the successes are that you, you hack in and you see all the video footage. I think the threat is that the video footage is being destroyed as you watch it, as though someone's coming along with an eraser right after it's been written out. Ah, I speed it up. I, I, I do like the tracking thing to try and speed it up as fast as I can to watch all of it before it gets erased. So what you see is basically uh, what this guy described. You see Dango peeking his head over to the people, and then the door comes open, and just a large crowd of people in gray robes pours through. They fall upon him, just wailing on him, and he's out like a light. Can I, can I see any mode of conveyance off in the... Can I see anything in the background, like what they might have come in or how they might have gotten there? Uh, I think that's outside the shot. This is internal to the lab. Damn it, who places these things? <laughs> The first thing they do is they go over to this large uh, case, like big metal case, and open it up and inspect it. And it kind of glows like Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. And you would recognize the diagrams that it's full of these Gladius crystals. Is that, is, is that what I think it is? Yeah. They close the case and immediately begin pushing it out towards the back door. And then you see one of the guys raise a hand up and kind of make the, like, let's roll out gesture, at which point everyone else starts just laying into the place, destroying as much shit as they can. Can I tell anything specifically about the one who did the spray paint? Because I think that's going to be the bad, the one that we can probably turn. The, uh, the Ricky from the original Ninja Turtles movie, who just started being bad. Make a perception check. You only get one shot at this because the thing's being erased. It's cool. I got, I got a yellow and I got two greens. How much hard is it? Uh, let's just say it's average. Two purples. Okay. Show me your fucking face. Three successes, two advantages. Okay, uh, yeah, this, uh, it looks like a, a human teen boy. Human teen boy in a gray robe. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing gray robes. Right. Actually, uh, Ian, go ahead and make a culture check. Three hard, but take a blue die because it's EPM related. Okay. Three successes, two advantages. So you would recognize that these gray robes belong to an EPM cult uh, that goes by the name of The Abandoned. They are a collection of people who are from planets who were denied entry to the Lacunian system that have, like many such oppressed peoples, kind of rallied under the idea of the evil power master. And so they, they look at him as their sort of Jesus figure who's going to come back and save them all and liberate them from their, their terrible lives. So that's The Abandoned. If you have ideas for advantages, let me know what they are. Um, I want to see that kid's face. I want, I want to download that kid's face. I want him to turn his face to the camera just, just enough that I can, like, make a retinal scan to confirm if I ever see him again. Okay, absolutely. It looks like uh, the kid who played Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. Yeah, Jake Lloyd. <laughs> All right. Jake Lloyd. Fun fact, he ended up uh, quitting acting because of bullying and then also uh, is schizophrenic. Yeah, I was on Reddit earlier today as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, uh, Ian, I should say, as the tape ends, you see everyone... Like I said, uh, rolling out toward the back, it seems like everyone heads that way when they're done kind of destroying the joint. Same door they same door they came in or different door? Different door. The one uh, with the oh, garage. Oh, right. Out to the, where the space bus was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So I'm, I was right to put a uh, tracker on that space bus then. <laughs> are, are you put a tra Oh, that's right. Yeah, you put that APB out. Okay, cool. Yeah, so back to Bo. What's going on? 
Uh, so I've talked to the lead scientist, I've talked to a robot, and I've talked to the uh, human security guard. So I, I think that's everyone that you mentioned being in the uh, There's also, like, other scientists that aren't leads, right? But There's uh, other scientists that are not named characters. Anybody right. want to do a medicine check on that woman that just blacked out? Because, like, <laughs> she just blacked out while she was talking to a robot. Look, Vern, sometimes you've got to love them and leave them. <laughs> she should put her in the recovery position at least so she didn't choke on her own barf and die. Yeah, if anyone wants to do medicine, you could definitely do that. Yeah, I, I come back in and do medicine. I'm like, I, I, uh, Ten Vern, minutes Vern, later. Vern sort, of, Vern sort of walks by and he's like, oh, God, Bo, this thing's still, this lady's still on the ground? You can't leave ladies on the ground, Bo. You tell that to my fleshy hands. God, she could Jesus. be really hurt. We need to probably get her some, some, some liquids. Uh, are you, so are you going to do the medicine check? I only have two green uh, yeah, diamonds. I, I have three green and a yellow. I'm going to do the medicine check. Oh, wow. Holy three shit. green and a yellow? Yeah, dude, I specialized in medicine because no one else was going to do it. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Okay. It fits Vern's character. He wants to put everything back in its place, and medicine is just putting bodies back in their place. Love it. So just to, like, revive her is going to be, I think, an easy check. Okay. So you should fucking nail it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's no successes, but no failures, but three what? advantages. <laughs> so I put her in the recovery position, put a cup of water beside her unconscious body, and I and I, I pat her head with I pat her head with one of my small arms, and I say like, "You hold her hair while one of her three mouths vomits." <laughs> feel feel better, bud. Uh, yeah, so you, you aren't able to revive her, but maybe one of the other scientists comes over and um, introduces himself as like. My name is Tommy the Scientist. Is there anything that maybe I can help you with? Uh, yeah, Tommy, you're going to want to uh, watch her breathing pretty closely, and when she wakes up, you're going to want to make sure she drinks uh, plenty of fluids. All right, I can do that. And, uh, you know, tr- try to try to keep it from blacking out so much. That was weird. Well, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just a physics researcher, so what do I know about things like that? Uh, that's a good point. You live on an outpost, though. You'd think you'd have some sort of medical expertise. You uh, so Ver, uh, Bo comes over to Vern to sort of like uh, debrief and then figure out, I guess, like, Bo's ready to leave. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got all the information he needs. He assumes Vern has figured it out. Vern, Vern is super uh, uneasy leaving all of these broken computers. He, fe- <laughs> he feels like, uh, like he's, he's sort of tapping all of his fingers together uh, and looking at the damage, sort of hunched over. All right, Vern, I think we've uh, got all the information we can get from these people. Oh, yeah, I should probably make sure at least one of their computers works in case they got in case they want to uh, reach out to us later, you know? Make sure, just double check, make sure we're not leaving them worse shape than we found them, you know? Look, Vern, we're the evil power master cults division, not the right, friendly, not the helpers, friendly division. helpers division. I know you say that every time, but but I, I just want to make sure that, they, that they're, uh, they're going to be okay. Vern, like, while this is happening, Vern picks up a bunch of wires and, and fixes a computer, and it, it reboots, and it's like, it just has, like, the AT&T logo. Okay. So at least, at least they have a phone. Sure. I want them, want them to have a phone. I think around this time, your telecommunicator goes off, and you see a hollow projection of Commander Farbeck from the Rapid Force, and he's like, um... Vern, we uh we got word back on that APB you put out. Yeah. It seems that the uh the stolen transport is heading to a uh an orbit station somewhere in the vicinity of the planet that you're at. So if it sounds good to you, I'd love to have you go check out those coordinates and see what they're up to with those whatever you said they stole. I forget. Some kind of crystals. Uh, that sounds good. Can we take a? We're just gonna take a uh, one of these space vehicles. Uh, Thought speed travel uh, uh, makes me sick. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm just a robot, but it makes it's it's. I find it weird that our commanding officer is just asking us if we think it's cool to do our jobs. Yeah, usually you boss us around and then put us in the thought speed teleporter. But <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. And then he remembers himself. He goes, "Now listen, I don't want any lip from you two. You're gonna you're gonna get in the you're gonna come into your uh, space vehicle and you're gonna go to the damn orbit station, or I'll have both your heads on a platter." And then he shuts off his laptop monitor, and the the hollow screen cuts out. I shouldn't have talked. That only <laughs> made the situation worse. Gee, you know, geez, something really, something really must have crawled up his butt today. You know, it, it, was, it was me, Vern. I, I, I pushed people away. No, Bo, it's not you. It's uh, it's the stress of the job. Well, Cap, 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 Cap's got a lot on his plate. So, so about that bus. You want to go on that bus? Jesus, we get the really? Is this a bus? Oh, Christ. Yeah, that's all they. Well, they have so they have a bus and they have essentially like a zamboni for cleaning their outside hockey rink. <laughs> I think either is serviceable, you know, based on what I know about vehicles, either is serviceable, but uh, the bus might be quicker. I mean, right, but the Zamboni has many of the letters of bone. All right, you want to you take the Zamboni? Yeah, I think we should take the Zamboni. All right. So I kind of like this. So let's say there are, there are two vehicles parked in the garage. One of them, the Zamboni, uh, which can be its actual name, is very slow and pretty loud, but you know it would be like really tough, and it's also a common vehicle that won't attract a lot of attention. Whereas the other one is a is more of a uh, a casual, fun space cruiser that can zip around really easily. It has a lot more speed and acceleration, but is somewhat more noticeable. Uh, as they leave the uh, the lab and see these two space vehicles, Poe says, "Vern," and he puts his fleshy hand on Vern's chest to stop him as they're walking out. He uh, Vern, Vern puts out both of his bonus hands to stop your hand, so essentially you gave him like a double high five. <laughs> Fair enough. I realize that it's very off-putting to touch. I got you, but we're, we're working hands. on it. We're working on the boundaries. I know that I earlier said that we want to drive the Zamboni, but uh, holy shit, look at that beauty! Yeah. Uh, he's looking at the the space convertible, basically, right? I'll go with that space convertible. Yeah. Listen, it's your, it's your call. Uh, I, you know, I have a oh, space convertible. It's. I, I feel like you are gonna start saying other words, but if it's right. my call, space convertible. Space convertible. Let's get in it. Does, do either of us have any skills in piloting? Question. I do. Do you not? I. I, I have two yeah, green okay. diamonds. I have a green diamond in a yellow shape. Okay, so you're good at it. <laughs> yeah. Ian, I went over your character sheet so many times to make sure you got everything right, and I'm pretty sure you did. You just. You just happen to have all the skills that I actually need. Yeah, I have the mundane, practical, serviceable skills. Uh, I, on the other hand, think that it's fucking hilarious to make a character that is good at one thing in specific and just absolute trash at the others. So, yeah, Chris, Chris, to review, you were so good, she blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> so. From from just words, didn't even have to break out my flesh hands. <laughs> so you guys are you're getting the space Ferrari. I think the keys are just there because, like, no one ever comes in this garage. It's like company yeah. cars. Why would you make it hard? Yeah. You hop in the space vehicle. It sounds like Vern is probably piloting. Hell yeah. All right. Bu- uh, buckle up, Bo. <laughs> buckle up for safety. Listen, because, uh, 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 buckle up. Just in case. Are you buckled? I'm made of metal. Well, I don't want you flying out of the car if we get in an accident. I have to go f- find you and put you back in the car. All right. Fine. Fine. For m- For me? Can you buckle up for me? Can I just uh, can I just do the lower buckle? I feel like you know, look, Vern. You're not you. You don't get it. But if a woman sees you wearing a seatbelt, it just it 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 it's uh, or a man. You know, I'm 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 pansexual. <laughs> but, 
Wow, wow. In his defense of not wearing a seatbelt, Chris just added like six pages to his character profile. It's, it's the old, the old, uh, uh, fuck, what's the guy from House of Cards? Kevin Spacey. The old- Me, uh, meanwhile, Vern does a medicine check with a yellow shape and three green shapes and realizes that wearing half a seatbelt will just cut you in half. <laughs> um, Ian, why don't you do like a PvP roll? Okay. I, I want you to make a leadership check. And Chris, what is your cool? Uh, it's a yellow and three greens. Oh, oh shit. Fuck. So, Ian, you're going to be rolling against a red and three purples. Okay. Roll the dice. <laughs> Wash. Interesting. So, I think you are unable to convince him to wear the seatbelt, and nothing interesting happens. What a fun dice roll. So, we just argue about whether it's cool to wear a seatbelt for the entire trip. Okay, while uh, while we're arguing, I do reach over his shoulder without him seeing and sort of clip him in by like a carabiner, it's just so he doesn't float away. I'm just really nervous about a, a open car in space. It's not actually an open car. It's uh, thematically a convertible. It's the it's the space equivalent of convertible. It does not actually force you to breathe the vacuum. All right. Let it. Uh, also, Bo has retracted his arms and legs into what he calls travel mode, so he can just bounce around all day. It's really, it's, you really, he should buckle up to not smash into you at full speed, but Bo's kind of a prick. He didn't really think about other people very good. All right, okay. All right, let's go. Let's go. 15 minutes later. I think you spend 15 minutes arguing, and then the instant he goes into turtle mode, you just wrap a fucking strap around him anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's powerless to resist you. Yeah, he can't un he can't untravel mode until we're unbuckled. Ah, uh, Vern, this happens every time. Well, and every time you come out of it safe, so you're welcome. All right, so you guys commandeer this space Ferrari and you set out. Vern, you've got the travel coordinates on your magic computer visor thing. Yep. The travel is going to be about thirty minutes. What do you guys do on the ride over? Okay, uh, Vern, Vern, in this uh, in this quiet downtime with uh, with Bo still in travel mode. Uh, Vern pulls out his uh, pulls up his wrist mounted holographic interface. Uh, Jesus Christ! You're not going to read more of your fan fiction, are you? Oh yeah, it's an important. I, I no, think it's God culturally it. relevant. Uh, I enjoy it. You I know, I, I, I literally by my programming, I cannot disengage travel mode while we're in in motion. You know that, right? Right. For safety. Right. Yeah. So I don't have to read it out loud, but I am going to read it, and I am going to chuckle when it. things that are fun Jesus, to me happen. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> the Shotic movie came out 4,000 years ago. Why? It's a, it's a golden masterpiece. All right, so, Vern, uh, you need to calibrate the accelerator levels, the energizer levels, the gyro stabilizers. Easy. Flip, 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 flip. Why don't you make a easy piloting check? Reading your fanfic puts us in danger. Yeah, take a black die for reading fanfic as you do it. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, that is... Wait, is, how bad is black? Okay, well, here we go. All right, roll oh, or, or you can just not read it, I mean. Oh, two successes. Look at that. Oh, I'm a fucking it. expert. I'm a fucking expert. Once again, he proves that he's safe the way he's doing it. He doesn't need to change his behavior at all. Seatbelt metaphor. I'm aware that the Eggman is uh, Sonic's father. I, you, this is the fourth story you've written about it, Vern. Well, what if he was also his son? No, that doesn't make any sense. As time dilation. I'm trying to engage with it. I'm trying to engage with your work, Vern. I don't think you're an idiot. It's, I just feel like you have no idea what people's emotions are like. And I'm a robot. 
some, sometimes I think my passion is in the wrong place, you know? I'm trying to figure out exactly how the Eggman could go back in time and kill Sonic's parents, but also be his dad. And and I'm trying to do all the math on that, and you just... Uh, it's, it's, look, you're my friend, and I want to support you, but why don't you just pick something a little more serious to spend all your time on, Vern? Jesus. Uh, evil, evil Power Master cult? We got that. That's what I spend my working days doing, you know? And I just want to kick back and relax and imagine what it would be like if Shadow the Hedgehog was actually Sonic's dad! I, I know, but you, you, you've just got, you've got the, a poet's tongue, Vern. You could really write something important. You, but you just... You think so? You, like, I, I, I believe in you, Vern. Like, I don't believe like, that you can make other people care about the romance between Sonic and Shadow. What about, what about if Big the Cat was president? That Space. doesn't help. Okay, one. so we slowly fade away from this <laughs> super relevant conversation. <laughs> this is your fault, Mark. You, let, you you gave us too much power. I did say role play. So we uh, we wipe and we come to a shot of you guys rolling up on the orbit station. You look out the. What kind of wipe can it be? A star wipe? It can be a star wipe. Absolutely. Yes. And it comes back in, and we hear just just like in in passing, we hear like, well, yeah, tails fucks. <laughs> you hear what? Like he's driving by, like oh, oh yeah, tails fucks. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah, t- uh, tails, tails definitely fucks. We're about to get like a fucking huge listener bump from that uh, that Sonic fanfic group. I'm sure, I'm sure this will be the thing that puts us over the edge. So you come into station view, and uh, you can see it on the horizon. There's not really a horizon because you're in space, but you know what I mean. Probably at this point, it's safe for Bo to disengage from travel mode so you can, you know, participate physically in the scene. You look out the central viewport and you see this orbit station. It's a large saucer-shaped structure made of this dark metal, maybe a thousand feet across. And there's a number of these, like, uh, inexplicable, like, hundred-foot spires just kind of extending from either side of it. Half of it is bathed in orange light from the sun that's off in the distance, and the other half is basically completely dark with only the docking bay illuminated. Your screen begins to beep, and you see a message that you have an incoming hail. What do you do? Mm. Oh, shit. We've got a message. Yeah, I'm going to get this. Hey, beep, beep. Yeah. Uh, go, uh, go go ahead. You're on. You're on with Vern and Bo in the, in the car. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you said I had to be more of a people person. And the message that comes through, uh, you just see a, a, a shadowy silhouette, and this voice comes on and says, Hail to the glorious evil power master. Uh... Hail to the glorious evil power master. Uh, so Bo is pretty culture wise. Does he need to make a roll to like know the cool evil power master phrases? Yeah, uh, I think you can make a hard culture check to know the sort of expected response to this hail. I'm going to do that too. And you can take a blue die because it's EPM related. Uh, only one of you can make it, so choose. Uh-oh. Hey, Chris, how good are you at it? I have a yellow and a green. I have four greens. I don't know how that math works out. Amazingly, I think Ian's character is better at this as well. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Ian, because of the way this game works, you can turn one of your greens into a yellow uh, because Chris is helping you out. So do that. Okay. One advantage, two failures. Oh, oh okay. So you do not know the correct uh, way to respond. What's your advantage or your advantages? Uh, they seem like they're, they're caught off guard, so if we juice it real good, we could, like, uh, probably sneak to whichever other hangar we wanted. 
<laughs> Look, okay. Vern, trust me, I'm an expert on this sort of cult culture. Tell him you want to just suck the evil power master's dick. <laughs> I don't... Uh, uh, hello, we're here f uh, for maintenance. We heard that there was a gas leak. Yeah, well, you know, I tried. That's the... That's the he covers up the mic with two of his hands. He's like, that's the best <laughs> I could do. I'm not sucking anybody's dick, Bo. Jeez. He says... Uh, we didn't ask for any maintenance. Definitely not looking for maintenance right now. So, sorry, uh, friend. You should probably just turn around. This is not your day. <laughs> uh, yep. What, can Bo try and do a deception? Sure. What are you trying to deceive him into believing, though? So we're on the outside, and we're going to try and convince him that there's like a... There's a breach. There's a hull breach that they haven't picked up on their sensors. Yeah, because we can see we can see it from out here. Yeah, we it's can see venting. it from out here. They can't see it from it's, inside it's, because it's, it's such it's a venting. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a fucking hull breach, my man. It hull, blew all hull the breach. Well, your hull sensors are busted from the breach. Yeah, because it's where the sensor was. Okay, so what do you tell him? Uh, look, pal, I I realize that uh, you don't want to spend too much money. I get it, but uh, did you know you've got a pretty gnarly hull breach on the underside of the the dock side of your little uh, station here? Oh, shit. Uh is it dangerous? Like, are our, li are our lives in danger? This is really not a great time. It's pretty goddamn dangerous. Ah, fuck. Make a deception check. Okay, so I have two yellows and a green. Okay, I think it is just average. Two purples. Two successes. Hey! He's like, ah, shh. Well, okay, okay I, guess, I guess you're clear for landing. Uh... Go ahead and pull into the main hangar bay, and I'll I'll, I'll get someone to uh, come and escort you. Don't don't go anywhere before people show up and escort you. It it won't be good. Yeah, we wouldn't dream of it. Uh, and then he winks at Vern, but he, he's a robot, so winking is just deactivating one of his sensors and then reactivating one of his sensors. Bo, you feel Bo, you feeling okay? I would. It's uh, Jesus Christ. All right, all right. So you guys pull into this hangar on the orbit station. And you find yourself in just like a large, empty, well, it's not empty. So it's, it's a large hangar bay. And there's actually like a number of ships that have docked here recently. And they look very ragtag. Like these are all kinds of ships from races all across the galaxy. A lot of them you don't recognize at all. Some of them are just like, how the hell did this get into this part of space at all? Uh, it's very strange. What do you do? Vern, Vern immediately scans the hangar for the, uh, the missing truck. Vern, I'm... I, uh, I wasn't programmed to be a particularly intelligent robot, but, uh, it sort of slowly dawns on me that we've managed to lie our way into being surrounded by enemies. I, listen, what, hey, I don't, hey, don't worry, don't even worry about it, Bob, we'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. Listen, listen. Uh, we gotta fan uh, out inside of this thing and find that and see if we got the truck, the one that has the crystals, and, uh, if they do, then, uh, you know, boom, bam, case is solved. So, Ian... You do find the, the the signature you're looking for on your device. It looks like it's the furthest into the hangar bay. Uh-oh. Which I think, to a person of your intellect, would suggest that it was the one to arrive first. Aha, uh aha. -huh. Uh -huh. You also pick up on your display that there is a life form, uh, two life forms, I think, coming toward you. It's a pretty large hangar bay, so it's going to take them 30, 45 seconds to arrive, but there are people on your way to you right now. What do you guys do? Um, okay, so Vern looks at the uh, the ship that is right next to us, the furthest out ship. Okay. And he whips together a thing that's like a, uh, it's a device that everybody has, 
that you can use to locate your car. It's like a tile for if your car is missing. Okay. And he slaps that on the back of the other ship. Okay. Uh, and then he says to Bo, uh, hey, man, um, listen, this is going to get rough, probably, but we got to have to go. We got to go. We got to go hide uh, and get further into this thing. Find those crystals. Are you cool? Look, man, they, they think we're here to help them. All right? Let me do the talking. You go hide. I'm done. I'm I and Vern hops up. Uh, there's like a there's like a vent or a hatch <laughs> or something, and he pops right into it. Two questions: Is the tile thing something you just had on you, or is that something you had to fashion? Uh, probably had to. I don't know. Like it's probably something to have on me. I, I had to take it off of my keys and then put it onto this truck. Okay. Uh, in that case, I'm going to ask you to spend a story point in order to say that you had that. Deal. Okay, so now I have three story points, and you have one. <laughs> Good. Chris, you can decide what happens with that next one. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to bogart the story points. And then, Ian, I'm going to need you to make a stealth check to get away without being noticed. Okay. i tell you what, uh, this is an average check, but I'm going to spend a story point right back to make it uh, one purple, one red, instead of just two purples. Okay. All right. One success, one threat. Okay, so the success is that you get away without being noticed, and the threat is that they 100% hear you clanging away, and they are fast approaching with guns drawn, the ship that Bo is still on. Bo, you're just waiting there for them to show up, right? Correct, but with some quick thinking, he hears the clanging and uh, switches uh, from the tuxedo to the open chest uh, panel on his his chest. (laughs) And waits for them to arrive. Okay. Wait for it, you'll love this. I bet I will. The door opens, and you see before you a pair of creatures that look like a combination between, like, lizards and sloths. They stand, like, human human size. They're moving kind of slowly, and they have these, like, long, scaly arms with long talons at the end. I think you would recognize uh, these creatures are called slizzards. So- <laughs> Good. What are you trying to accomplish with your chest open? Uh, oh, shy, shy, sorry, boys. I uh, just got a little intimate with my wife here. As you know, I'm a robot, and this is a ship made of metal, and that's a normal thing in this universe. Uh, sorry, that was the noise you heard earlier. This is, hold on. So no. just for my own edification, <laughs> Chris's deception check is that he, the noise that was made was he actually was fucking the spaceship. <laughs> Is that correct? Am I to be clear, correct? And to be clear, to be clear, so we can yeah. draw a picture in our <laughs> listeners' minds, mm-hmm. it's R2-D2 with uh, basically stick man arms and legs and yeah. realistic human soft hands yeah. having sex with a giant space convertible. That it is married to. And you've got, you've got your chest plate turned to just pure chest. Is it like... Well shaven, or is it like have the semblance of hair? Uh, let me let me just throw two. Let me throw a, a name at you here. It's Burt Reynolds in the seventies. <laughs> That's the degree of chest hair involved. Jesus, great. Go ahead and make your deception check <laughs> to get them to believe that you were putting your robot penis into the computer. Uh, consummating my robot marriage, Mark. Jesus. Sure. What uh, what's what's the purples here? Oh, uh, jeez. I think it's... <laughs> yeah, how, how horny yeah, are Mark, lizards? How, how, <laughs> how, uh, how difficult is it to convince a race of space alien lizards that a robot... Sloth lizards? Yeah, 
can we check can we check this lizard uh horny chart to see how horny they are <laughs> about robot on robot uh coitus all right here's what i'm saying it is average difficulty and you get a blue die for your extremely impressive hairy robot chest <laughs> that tracks Disgusting. One success, four advantages. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. All right, so not only do they believe you, but the situation just goes your way in some absurd fashion. You tell me what that looks like. Uh, so they, they're, the, the, the slizzards are unbelievably embarrassed. It's, it's like you just walked in on Jimmy Carter having sex with his wife. And Jimmy Carter's 90 years old. His wife is probably around the same age. He seems like a cool dude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these lizards are disgusted and just like embarrassed. They like they. Of course, these these two wonderful creatures be having sex. We should have expected that. We let them land. It's on us. Uh, so while they're distracted, Vern has like the uh, he's got time to just sneak the fuck away, so he can sneak out of the of the ship and go wait, wherever. Wait, time out, time out. They walk in. They see you uh, apparently mid coitus with the, the 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 ship itself. And they get so embarrassed that they don't notice when you just kind of wander off. No, no, not I'm me, already, Vern. Yeah, I already was wandering oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, he succeeded. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just like fucking like tucking my robot dick back into my robot tuxedo <laughs> while these lizards are just like, oh my God, oh God, it's like watching my dad fuck. I'm so sorry. Okay, cool. So yeah, they, they're on board. They know that you are here to repair the hole and they're like, sir, can we escort you to the location of the hole breach? Uh, sure, let me just get this sweat off my chest. Uh, absolutely. Also, we're, we're real sorry. We we really believe in the, the purity of a, of a marriage and we believe that extends to all peoples and robots, and we would not want to, you to feel like you were in any way unwelcome in this environment. No, of course not. I wouldn't assume you boys are bigots. I mean, just because you're slizzards. Uh, Thank you for that sort of weirdly almost racist, deliberately non-racist sentiment. <laughs> yeah, I realize that that sounds racist from my perspective, but again, I'm a robot. Let me just put my shirt on, boys. Uh, the, the panel rotates back to Tuxedo. Beautiful. And you are basically leading them. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you get out of the hangar bay, and Ian, you get out of the hangar bay at a different point, and you're both seeing basically the same thing, which is you're in different parts of some kind of long corridor. It's pretty well lit. And there are a number of like hospital color strips along the ground showing you the way to various locations on the ship. But there are also a number of dead scientists just kind of lying around. It looks like they were killed by laser blasters, judging by the huge burn marks on themselves and like the holes going through them. So cutting back to Vern, what do you do when you emerge from whatever air duct and see this? So my goal is... Uh, like, I don't even register the dead bodies because uh, he is so dead set on finding the location of these uh, gladius crystals that he uh, he he finds a way to get a, a, a sort of like a vent access so he can do a so he can do some sneaking. Uh-huh. Uh, and he wants he just wants to get uh, like visual confirmation on the existence of these crystals so that he can plan his next move. Pro- probably to call it in. He's probably going to try and call it in. How are you going to locate the crystals? Because you're in a you're in a pretty big like space station complex. Well, so I have very high no- uh, science knowledge, and True. the gladius crystals uh, give off this kind of energy that is. Hang on. Uh huh. I, ju- I just wrote energy. Uh, that's all. <laughs> Metakinetic energy. Meta metakinetic. Uh huh. Energy. 
and uh, I have uh, I've honed my holographic display to sort of put out sort of a Metroid minimap style, hot, hot and cold, for identifying where the metakinetic energy radiation is coming from. Okay, I will say this. Uh, metakinetic energy is, in normal scientific circles, more of a theory than like a, a real thing that people build into their radar machines. So right. you're going to need to make a mechanics check to modify your transponder to, which I don't really know that word is, your, your tricorder. It's, hold on, it's my uh, holographic interface for computer work. You're going to have to make a hard mechanics check to make your holographic interface pick up what you think metakinetic energy signature should look like. Yeah. Uh, all right. He jiggles some stuff around and he rolls one success. Success. Okay. You get a reading and it basically indicates that far below your current position, you know, relative to the artificial gravity of a space station, uh, you're getting like a strong presence of metakinetic energy all huddled together at one point. Okay, so that was uh, Vern. That was Vern's sort of like summer project was creating that uh, meta uh, uh, kinetic energy uh, transponder receiver. Okay. okay. So now he, in his mind, he's he's confirmed that this is the place that has the thing, and then he remembers there's dead bodies around. So he just drops a pin, just drops like an Apple Maps pin. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then and forwards that to uh, Captain Farback, with like with with the emoji with the grinning with the grinning emoji with the big teeth though. So it's like nervously grinning, but it's also hard to tell. Grimacing. The grimace, yeah, the grimacing emoji. Cool, so you send grimace emoji, dead pics, what do to Captain Farback. Uh, cutting back to Bo, you are escorting slash being escorted by a couple of slizzards. The locations on the ship, actually, you should probably make some kind of check to know what these mean. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like that would either be like uh, knowledge science or maybe like computers or mechanics. Knowledge science works for me. We can do knowledge science. Okay, cool. I'm very bad at that, so here we go. <laughs> Way to talk yourself down. Uh, the check is just average. Okay. All right. It's it's two versus two. Green versus purple. Okay. One success, two advantages, one threat. All right. So you sort of know what these different uh, colored stripes are and what your options on the ship are. Uh, one of them leads you to the docking bay where you just came in. One of them is the command chamber for the whole orbit station. One of them is the room where life support systems are housed and controlled. One of them is a research lab, and one of them is just going to what you would think of as an elevator, but what we in the EPM universe call a freefall communication tube. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, yeah, so I think Bo is going to start following the line to life support. Okay. So you start walking along this corridor, following the line, probably a green line, and these two guys are just uh, walking behind you again keeping their distance, trying to be very respectful because they feel like they're already off on the wrong foot and they really don't want to make you mad and just come off as jerks. I think uh, so, uh, Bo would like to make a deception check. So start by telling me what you're trying to convince them of. Uh, look, boys, I uh, if it's too much, I understand, but uh, once, I start, once I get to this breach, it's going to be a lot of cosmic radiation and Etc. Etc. You know, I I don't want you seem like nice boys. I don't want you to have to worry about your health and such. Uh, why don't you just point me on the right direction? I'll head right over and get it fixed for you. How about that? And they kind of look back at each other nervously. Like you can see, they're very uncomfortable with the situation because they feel like they owe you a favor, but they're really not supposed to just let you do your own thing. Right. Like they shouldn't let me sort of walk around the nuclear reactor, but they have seen my penis. So <laughs> exactly. So uh, I need you to make a charm check, I think. Okay. I think it's hard. I think they're really supposed to do their jobs, so it's going to be hard. 
Uh, one success, two threats. Uh, so the success is, they say like, uh, uh, You go in, but we got to watch. We're, we're going to stand outside the door and just like try to look in, just to make sure you're not going anywhere. Is that all right? It's all right. No, that's, that's what we're going to do. I'm sorry, but we're doing it. Uh, it's all right, fellas. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay, so you stroll on into the life support, what are the life support control center, and they stand outside the door, just kind of like peek their heads in awkwardly every few seconds. There's no other people around. It's a pretty small room. It, it basically just has like a, a big computer console with a display of like the current like air levels and gravity settings and the temperature and stuff like that. And then there are some knobs and buttons you can press. Science check. <laughs> uh. As an inhabitant of this universe, mm-hmm. I feel like, like I know that if you blow up the engine of a car, it won't, it, it will no longer continue to car, right? Fair. Would Bo know whether or not if he like blew up the console of the life support, it would continue to support life, or is that too much of it? Is that a big, a bigger ask? I think make a science check to know that. Okay, that's fair. We'll say it's average. Two purples. All right. Uh, two successes, two advantages. Okay, so your success is that- Oh, fuck, no, 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 sorry, that's a lie. I, I oh. fucked up the dice. I fucked up the dice. Let's do it again. Three advantages, three failures. <laughs> oh, okay, so the answer to your question is no. You have no idea what will happen if you Good. blow this thing up. What are your advantages? Oh, boy. Uh, there are, there's- one life support technician in the life support annex. Mm-hmm. Who, ju- who just walked in there because canonically there's no one in there. So this is one who just came in. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry. I thought there were people in there. Are there not people in there? No, it's, it's a pretty small room. It's um, like imagine just like the tiny security guard closet, except instead of security guard monitors, you just have temperature controls and shit. And it's just in, and they've just let me in. To, okay. They're watching you from the door. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, okay, so in that case, so it's just the life support console and just a, a bunch of space gas canisters. <laughs> I like it. Because like they need to put them somewhere. I mean, you know, where and where else? No one's, no one, like, the life support, it takes care of itself, really. That's true, yeah, it's basically autopilot. Okay, so, yeah, your advantages are there are a bunch of space gas canisters. What do you do with them? <laughs> I'd like to make a skullduggery check. I'd like to sort of putter around the room, surreptitiously opening the space gas canisters. Okay, so you're trying to basically fill the room with uh, flammable, ignitable gas. I'm assuming that it's also not great for people to breathe, or slizzards. Whoa, 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 you're just jumping to an assumption about slizzards' metabolic processes? Mostly organic metabolic processes, but... Okay, uh, okay, but so your goal here is not to ignite the whole room, but just to, like, maybe cause people to pass out. Correct. Yeah, I think Skullduggery check is good. I think they have pretty good vigilance, though, so let's make this a purple and a red. Okay. Interesting. Uh, one success, two advantage, one despair? Uh-oh. Interesting. Okay. Isn't a dis- despair is like a turbo failure? Yeah, well, so it's not turbo failure. It is a turbo threat. So you said you succeeded with advantages but have a despair? Yeah. Okay, so the success is you manage to not get noticed as you slink around the room, loosening all the gas gaskets and filling the place up with its noxiousness. What are your advantages? Uh, can I say, like, 
I've successfully displaced the breathable air with poison air. <laughs> is that like, is that a <laughs> sleight of hand? I've taken all the good air. I'm cool with that. So you see the okay. scissors start to uh, start to get woozy, and then one of them is like leaning against the wall, and a couple seconds later, uh, they both just hit the ground. I think your despair is that the console begins to flash red, and a bunch of lights around you begin to flash red, and it says like, danger, atmospheric disturbance detected. Assistance required in the life support room. Assistance required in the life support room. <laughs> ah, shit. Vern, you hear this from your post somewhere else on the ship. What do you do? Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Um, do we have communicator watches? Yeah, do we have communicator watches? Do you want to spend a story point? Fuck, do we not? God damn it. That was stupid uh, of us, but like, I feel like we should absolutely <laughs> spend a story point. Yeah, let's give Mark... Oh, wait, wait. Mark spent a story point, though. Yeah, right now it's two and two. Yeah, but like, spoilers, Mark has all the story points. He's the DM. That is arguably true. It's an honor system thing on me. Let's spend it. Let's spend it. All right. Yeah, we fucked up. Like, of course we're best buds. Vern's communicator watch starts to like... Uh, what, what's your ringtone? Uh, I don't want to wait. <laughs> to be over. I want to know. Oh, no. Ha, ha. Uh... Go, go for Vern. <laughs> That's a b- uh, good news and bad yeah. news, Vern. So good news, I've taken out two slizzards. Uh, right, bad well, news, I seem to have accidentally triggered the uh, we're all gonna die alarm on the space station. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, can you retrace your steps back to the hangar? I think I got all the evidence we need to, like, uh, come back here with a full-scale uh, rapid force. All right, also the room of the life support is filled with flammable gas, so spoiler alert, I'm going to open the door and blow the shit out of it. I hope you've got an oxygen mask on you. Uh, 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 Vern, Vern, while this is going on, like, he's holding one hand up so that the hologram, he can see it, but he's running, and he's running back toward the ship. He gets back to their their original ship. Mm-hmm. So I think you can do that no problem because all the attention uh, from the guards is being placed very much toward the place where Chris is right now. Or sorry, where right, Bo right. is. Bo, what are you doing? You, I think you probably hear footsteps down the hallway already converging on your position. Oh, man. See, I've got a laser wristwatch, martini ingredients, and a digital lockpick and a space tuxedo. <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to... And, I, and this is with the utmost fucking disgrace because no real servant of her majesty would ever do this but i'll take one of the bottles of alcohol and sort of like uh put the laser watch in the top and set it to go off in let's say 30 seconds effectively making a tiny bad molotov cocktail okay and i would like to hide that in the room and then uh leave prime to go off in again 30 seconds uh, while all the attention's on the guards, too, after Bo's, or I guess while Bo's setting this bomb, uh, Vern has uh, started up the ship and sort of tipped it uh, gently into the other ships and knocked them all over like motorcycles. <laughs> and just to be clear, uh, martini ingredients here is gin and vermouth because vodka vermouth is for fucking animals. And obviously sure. I'm using the vermouth because, like, you can't just drink vermouth by itself. What are you, nuts? Cool. So I think to set up this bomb... Especially in such a uh, tight, like, time constraints. I'm going to need you to make a hard mechanics check. Okay. Uh, let's see. One threat. <laughs> All right. So failure with a threat. I think one threat isn't enough to say that it blows up in your face and destroys you. But you are unable to get this bomb to work. I think the threat is that 
you are forced to leave your laser wristwatch behind, even knowing that the bomb isn't going to go off, uh, just because you hear how close they're getting, and it gets stuck on something. Uh, you drop it down inside the vermouth bottle or whatever. Can't get it back out in time. Yeah, curses vermouth. You've doomed me again. <laughs> Make a stealth check to get away without being noticed. That's a that's a wrap on laser wristwatch. Everybody, uh, good work, good work, good shooting, laser wristwatch. We'll see you again, never. Stealth check is gonna be one purple, one red. Oh man, I also feel like Bo wouldn't make a stealth check here. I feel like he would try to try try to charm. Okay, you're just trying to be captured. <laughs> so I think Bo thinks that he can actually convince people that like they walk into him in a room, so with two dead guards outside or like knocked out guards outside, a uh, bottle of like flammable liquid, a watch, maybe not an <laughs> explosive, but like this is a weird sitch, right? For sure. Two woozy slizzards. Yeah, like two ace lizard. They walk into the situation with a robot, like trying to jam a watch into a bottle of vermouth. <laughs> uh, Bo's just like, oh no, I can smooth talk him. I mean, I will certainly never fault you for deciding to take the social encounter way out. So great. <laughs> All right, here we go. A couple of guards show up. These guys are not slizzards. Uh, instead, you are greeted by two Zordites. Zordites are these orange-skinned creatures with a ring of eyes going all the way around their, like, super bulbous head. Jesus. Which which way? Like 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 a crown or, like, around the middle of their head? Ugh. Like a crown around the middle of their head. Like a crown that's too big for their head, so it sinks down to, like, the middle. Gross. Okay, so I think I think we all kind of thought of a different thing there. When, I, when Ian said middle, I, I thought he meant, like, uh, top to bottom, and I was like, that's disgusting. You'd have eyes on your <laughs> neck? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. Nope, not that. They also have these, like, sort of humanoid, but sort of, like, Zorak-esque bug bodies. And they have mouths that are permanently fixed uh, in this sort of, I'm drinking from a straw position. And this, <laughs> like, a shoulder mane. Like, um, you know, like, Sabretooth from the X-Men animated series? Oh, God, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that sort of shoulder mane thing. Oof. And two of these guys show up to uh, greet you. And what do you say? Ah. Uh. Uh, hello, boys. I was just mixing a drink. Can I fix you one? Uh, and we, we actually, we actually, we J-cut and hear that line through Vern's earpiece. Love it. And, uh, and Vern's like, ah, oh, fuck. All right. Oh, great. Uh, He's drinking again as like a, a, a as a move. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that my partner's main move is drinking at people. So Vern puts both of his uh, his bonus hands together in in, a, in sort of a quiet prayer and puts his uh, puts his forehead to his clo- to his uh, clasped bonus palms, and he's like, uh, uh, "All right, well, uh, gotta gotta get a bigger distraction than a temp than a gas leak. Um, oh, what if I uh, what if I slave all these ships together and steer them out of the hangar? So Vern is gonna try to hotwire these cars together and have them drive away." Uh, out into space, and hopefully that'll be picked up on somebody's sensors as, like, a very dangerous bad move, you know? Like, uh, he needs to try to make a big distraction Mm -hmm. so that, hopefully, Bo can leave that place. Okay, so there are at least, I think, 30-ish ships in this hangar. How many are you trying to hotwire? I'm just gonna gonna throw this out there. I feel like, as a person who is aware of mechanics, that maybe Vern would recognize that just one of them exploding would be just <laughs> as distracting as hot wiring 30 cars in a row. That's a good point. Okay, 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 okay. So Vern, uh, 
Vern has that transponder, right? Which was going to be his initial escape plan. He was going to sound that off like sort of a, like a fire alarm and someone's going to come out and check it and then they were going to sneak away. We're way past that. We need a way bigger thing than a fire alarm. Uh, so Fern checks all the holds on the car that they stole for like anything explosive. Why would you blow up our car? <laughs> no, no. He, so in, in Vern's mind, uh, you have a special connection to that car because you just fucked it. So <laughs> Vern doesn't want to blow up a car without knowing that there's another escape car. He knows we can drive this one. Vern finds, I don't know, uh, like some, like an extra, like a, a bonus fuel rod um, in, in the car that they're in. And he's going to go put it in backwards into the car at the very far end of the hangar to make an explosion. To be clear, uh, Chris is in favor of the verisimilitude of the simulation. Whether or not our characters survive is honestly like a tertiary concern. And Ian spent a bunch of time building this character, so he'd like to get to survive <laughs> one day. Sure. Okay. I think, yeah, you can you can find something explosive in the ship that you've got. That's no problem. Uh, you head back to uh, some other ship somewhere in the hangar bay. The, f- the farthest one away. The farthest one away from our ship so that they'll be completely distracted. So... The one furthest, like, inside the hangar bay, which is the one they originally arrived in. Oh, yeah, it's that one. It's going up. It's got a giant uh, bumper sticker on it that says, Space Truckin' and Space Fuckin' is all I crave. Yeah, I'm going to blow that one up. Uh, Ian, I want you to make a mechanics check to do this. I'm going to spend a story point, making it back to two and two, to upgrade the difficulty so it's a purple and a red. Three green, one yellow, purple and a red. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Peep this, two successes, five advantages. My man! Fucking hell! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my here's my advantages. Y'all ready for this? Uh-huh. I have five advantages, right? <laughs> you do. I pop open the ex- exposing to the air uh, the fuel cells of five space vehicles closest to the explosion, thereby compounding the power of this explosion. Vern doesn't really know how bad this is going to go, Uh-huh. but he knows it's going to be five times as bad as he initially thought it was going to be. Cool. I like how you guys have come into this scenario where it's like, oh shit, we're outnumbered behind enemy lines. How can we compete to see who can draw the most of their attention? (laughs) We're just sort of ping-ponging attentions back and forth. (laughs) Sort of a bad cop, bad cop. (laughs) Listen, 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 Bo, Bo, to be clear, listen, I know, okay, all right. Uh, 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 You're going to want, I know you're going to want to try and get your watch back. Your hand won't fit in that jar. The watch is gone. No, I've given up on the watch, Vern. No, you... Chris, you definitely cannot be communicating with Vern right, or yeah, with Vern right now. If there's two guards pointing laser blasters at you. Ooh, good point. Yeah, yeah, good save. Just listen, all right. Uh, in, uh, I'm gonna uh, eyeballing it. Uh, ten seconds. I don't know, give or take. I don't know how these things work. Ten seconds, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Ten seconds. Uh, this could be a big explosion, and it might rip the ship in half. Uh, right, might rip the the station in half. But so, to be clear. Two guards walk into the room. I say, how about a drink, boys? And then uh-huh. the vermouth bottle says, it's going to be a big explosion. It might rip the ship in half, et cetera, et cetera. Is that correct? Hey, I don't know I don't know what you communicate. Yeah, no, you through. would have no idea of knowing this. It makes sense for you to speak into the communicator watch. I've lost my communicator watch in a bottle of vermouth that I'm offering to two guards. This is a perfect situation. Great. <laughs> So uh, so listen, that explosion is going to be bad, and you're going to need to make it back to the ship as soon as possible. You know the ship, the one we took from the lab. It's uh, it's yellow. <laughs> it's the one closest, part closest to the exit. You know the one. Uh, just, Bo, get back. Be safe. Please be safe. All right? Don't do anything stupid. Uh, Vern out. Cool. So, Vern, you have about 10 seconds. Where are you when this explosion goes down? 
back in the ship, in the pilot seat of the ship with the engines running, like ready to go. Okay. We see Bo and these uh, two guards, like just like watching the vermouth bottle talk. And then they look back up at Bo, who I'm guessing just kind of smiles sheepishly. Vern, you're in this hangar and you see a ship way at the other end of it, like a couple hundred feet away, just go up in a fireball. And then there's just a chain of Bomberman style explosions <laughs> extending in both directions. <laughs> and on one side of the hangar, a hole breach opens up. And what do you know? You guys weren't liars. There really is a hole breach. It begins <laughs> to suck the ships towards it. The air is rushing out of the hangar that you're in and you are separated from your teammate who is now in the presence of two extremely alarmed guards to be continued. Chris, Chris.